Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And we're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in the beautiful Town Bank Building. We are also located in the village of Whitefish Bay. And there we're in the Equitable Bank Building, which is right across the street from Wankies and Kitty Corner from Sendex. So we're really easy to find and now, particularly as the weather is getting, um, we're looking into the fall and into the winter, I'm happy to say that we also have an office in Bonita Springs, Florida, and we certainly welcome you to stop in and visit us at any time. And if you'd like more information and kind of an idea of who's at and working in who's at Ellen Becker Investment Group and where we are, you can go to ellenbecker.com. And we have all the pictures and pictures of the office. It's really a fun, um, a fun opportunity. Today is really a, a very special day for me. And the reason that I say that is um, Cindy Robinson is going to be here. And um, Jim Tarantino has been on the show before talking about the different types of retirement communities and kind of how he got started and the things to look look at. And what I've asked Cindy to do is to come in and really talk about the four levels of care. And it really does hit very um, close to home for me. My mother, um, my father died almost 10 years ago, which really almost doesn't seem possible that so much time has flown by. And my mother, after my dad passed away, it wasn't really very long, and she sold her condominium that she had in Mequon. She just felt it was too much care, it was too big, it was difficult. And she immediately um, went into a senior housing and she had her own apartment. And she was there about two years and at first she was really, really happy. And then all of a sudden, um, particularly through the winter and um she found that she was really isolated and she felt very lonely and at sometimes if anything would happen to her she felt who would know and it was hard for all of us kids because we were in all different parts of the city not even different states like so many families but different parts of the city and so after that um Due to my two sisters actually going with my mom and searching out different communities, she moved into um, an independent living community where it was it was really nice. She had her own apartment. She could cook. She could do all the things. And that lasted probably for maybe um, four years or so. And then um, she had some health care crises and she ended up in assisted living and on dialysis. And literally about a week ago, my mom went into um, the nursing facility, the nursing point of, um, of the community that she's in. And it has been such an evolution for me and for my family, my children, and my siblings to 
watch my mom and to see the different types of care and what really works for her. And as I'm sitting and talking to my clients today, every single one of my clients, I say, so what does your house mean to you? What is your house about? Is it a place that you want to live in? For the rest of your life and I've had clients say to me they're going to carry me out of here in a box and it was kind of a funny thing because my mom said just recently you know if I get sick like that pull my plug and I said mom you don't have a plug <laughs> I can't pull a plug and so you know but we say these things and yet do we mean them and what does it really look like and so for a lot of people I will say what does your house look like is it part of the money that you're going to have to spend in your retirement is it the place that you want to stay do you want to pass it to your children what would happen if the wife died would the husband stay what would happen if the husband died would the wife would stay and almost always when one of them dies the other one says I think I'd move and then I look at them and say well if that's the case maybe it's good to start thinking about what that next step would be. Maybe it's better to make that step earlier than to make it later because there you're making the decisions together. You're going through all the things and one person isn't left with the burden and the brunt of everything that's left behind. So we're going to take a quick break. That was a really long introduction, but my guest, Cindy Robinson, and she is with the Capri Communities. I'm going to um, introduce her and talk a little bit about um, Capri Senior Communities and the different types of level of care, because I think a lot of people, just like I, really didn't understand it until I actually had to live through it. And so with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker. My guest today is Cindy Robinson. She is the Director of Sales and Marketing for the Capri Senior Communities. I also have the Capri Senior Communities Rights and article in our newsletter. So if you go to ellenbecker.com, you can go to News and Notes, and you can see different um different information on senior living and some of the types of things we're going to talk about today. I'm finding that it's really an important part of what we do for our clients is to help them to feel educated so that they can make really good qualified decisions about the next step. And of course, Cindy, we never know when that next step is going to be. And I know you've been involved in this whole area of senior living and senior care. Um, how did you get involved and what keeps you so um, connected and, and wanting to participate in this, particularly in an ever-changing world? Sure, sure. So I've been in the industry for quite some time. I started in my early 20s and now I'm in my, just entered my 50s. <laughs> and so it's been a long time and I really enjoy this industry. Um, I have a heart for the seniors. Um, ever since I was real small, I've always had a heart for for the elderly. And so it was kind of a natural fit. I actually have a master's degree in history, but what I kind of lend itself to understanding people's stories, where they've come from, and really respecting that with people. Um, I joined Capri a little over a year ago. Uh, worked for I worked had previously worked for a large industry company, but I was really looking to go back and, and work locally. And Capri Communities is a local provider here in southeast Wisconsin. And when I started talking with Jim Tarantino, our, our founder and, and CEO of the company, um, Jim really resonates what it really means to take care of someone. 
and he really has a strong heart for what he does. And so it's kind of his mission and philosophy and philanthropic nature that really got me excited about joining Capri. Um, another thing I love about Capri is that um, there is a product and a price point uh, for everyone in this local community, in the local communities that we're in. And so it, it offers a broad range of services and price points for people who are looking for the different options of senior care. So Capri offers independent living, assisted living, memory care services, and um, those are the three primary, um, what we call a continuum of care. A, a real full continuum of care would include all four parts, independent, assisted, memory care, and skilled nursing, but Capri um, only has the three. So we can care for somebody who has independent needs, assisted, and, and then memory care. You know, most people don't know this about me, but my very first job was working at the Glendale Nursing Home oh. in Glendale, and I started, and I and this was truly a nursing home, mm-hmm. and I started in the laundry, washing sheets and diapers and things like that, and then I ended up working in the kitchen service, and then I ended up in um, work, basically, I, I had a job to listen to people. I did birthday parties, and I worked in um, just providing services, but for them, writing, reading. Mm-hmm. It was just a wonderful job. And I remember the typical traditional nursing home. And when I sit down with clients now, and I'll say, you know, we really need to maybe at least start to explore what this next step is going to be. So often they'll say, well, I don't want to go to a nursing home. And, and, and I say, but there's so many different levels of care and there's so many different types of communities now that they're almost like vacation destinations because they have so many different types of things going on. So why don't we take a little bit of time and, and talk about these different types of services? And I know Jim has a really big heart for this because he – saw his mom mm-hmm. and, and worked with his mom in, in the same type of extended care and and moving out of her home. And just like I have with my mom, and it's it's been a journey. And I think that it could have been done a little bit differently. And it my mom may have felt a little bit more empowered um, if she hadn't gone from her home into an apartment and then into a, a a retirement community. So why don't we um, talk a little bit, Cindy, about the independent living piece and what that looks like for someone who all of a sudden they've talked to me and they go home and they go, you know, Karen might be right. Maybe we should start to explore. But I don't feel like I need to be in, a, in in any kind of a nursing home. I don't feel I'm still driving and I want to go places and do theater and I still want to travel. Is it right for me? What does independent living mean? Sure. And, and independent is a non-licensed part of a community. So an independent can mean um, an independent apartment, so strictly age-restricted. So that's one type of independent living is an apartment building strictly for anyone who's 55 years older, 55 years and older, or 62, depending on um, the builder. Um, and in those environments, it's strictly an apartment um, with maybe some limited amenities, um, common spaces for people to do social gatherings and those types of things, uh, but it's a very independent living environment. Then there you have independent living that could be considered part of a campus. And, in, and part of the campus, then it, then it starts to get kind of 
a little bit wonky at that point because there's different types of independent living environments depending on the structure of the community that you're going into. So let me explain that. So some providers like Capri, we have independent living, and then we have a continuum of either, either assisted or memory care. So it's that, that two-part continuum, and it's a rental. So there's no buy-in. There might be a community fee or, or a small security deposit to come in, but there's no large endowment or anything like that. It's just um, it's at market rate rent for that apartment. And in that case, in, our envir- in many of our environments, we offer um, housekeeping services, uh, meal programs, social opportunities. So it's a little bit more robust sense of living um, where you having things kind of help and directed with you that you can decide to participate in or not participate in. Then there's independent living environments that are considered to be a buy-in. And there's different types of buy-in kind of communities. So it, it really depends on where you are financially and where you, and, and what that safety net is. So a buy-in community is what you're doing is you're paying in advance and you're putting down a large chunk of money. And what you're paying for, there's a couple of different ways that people use this. Sometimes you're, you're putting up money in advance and it decreases the amount that you pay each month towards your rent. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that you're purchasing an a insurance policy. So the type of, based on what you're looking at in terms of how you want to set your financial course for yourself and how you want to spend your retirement money and what kind of planner you are. So one time when I was first in the industry, I asked, well, why would somebody put down $250,000? That doesn't make sense to me. That's crazy. Um, or, or do I use, and then what kind of people just use their money as they want to? And it all comes down to planning and what you're, what you're looking for in terms of your safety net. A lot of people go into a community where you are putting up a, a, a larger chunk of money for those instances where maybe you're buying that insurance policy that if your health care does decline, you're going to use those, that those funds are used toward your future health care needs, either in assisted living or your skilled nursing environments. Um, sometimes people are using them to put down money, and then there's a refund at the end of, so your estate gets money mm-hmm. back. So it could be that. Um, but they're for planners, people who are maybe have, most of those people that come into that type of environment are, are married. And so they're looking to leverage their togetherness as they come into the environment together. But there's a little bit of a gamble saying, you know what, I don't want to risk running out of money or having my spouse not have the funds to afford this, the, the care that he or she may need in the future. So it really depends on where you are with your financial portfolio and where you are with making decisions on your own health care risks. Most communities that are buy-in, they do have actuarial tables to help discern um, whether or not you will even be admitted. Um, because sometimes those they're looking at the providers also look, is weighing the risk of taking you on as a res- resident as well. So you do have to, you go through an application phase. Um, my two things that I, I think about with my mom when I think of um, her moving into her retirement community was when she was in the independent living, she had a key and she got into, and nobody ever walked into her apartment. Mm-hmm. That was her place. Mm-hmm. And we downsized her house, and she had a lot of her furniture and pictures and and things in there. And it still looked exactly like my mom. And um, and so when my aunt, my two aunts decided to live together, because you said they were married couples. My two aunts, when um, they were healthy, they went and they lived in a community center but once they needed more care they had to leave 
mm-hmm. they couldn't stay. Right. And so that was something that my cousins really didn't fully understand. And all of a sudden, um, one of them passed away. One of them needed more care. And it was, you have to go find a new place. Right. And that was very frightening. Yeah, that's that's part of the planning process is understanding what your options are and understanding your own health and your risk that you're willing to take. Uh, because a lot of the times people come into a pure independent living apartment situation. And then if there is a health care crisis where um, either at that point, either you're bringing in your own health care through home health care agencies or doing something like that or having to make another move. So it really depends on what that person's um, mindset is as to um, – like my mom, my mom lives in a strictly independent living apartment. And sometimes she'll say to me, um, what are you going to do with me when I get old? And I'll say, well, mom, that's a decision we have to make together. Um, uh, she's 82. So to have her ask me, you know, what are we going to do when I get old? It's kind of funny. Uh, but she's very independent. She still drives right now. She just came back from a trip from Alaska. And now she's going to down to Kansas City to spend some time with my brother. So... Um, when someone's healthy and feeling young still, I mean, those are really great environments. Um, she does have a support system because all the people there are her age or older. And so they really rely on one another. But um, every but her world is shrinking because every time I call her, she's gone to yet another funeral. And so um, sometimes that can be, even though she's around people her own age and she has that social network around her, it can still start to feel a little bit isolating, even in that kind of environment like your like your mother had done mm-hmm. when she made that first move to that apartment building. Yes. So a lot of the times that people move into more of a retirement community where you do have that continuum of care, you are surrounded by people. There are things socially going on that are resident-directed, but also community-directed. So whether you want to be part of a, a knitting group that you and your girlfriends have started or part of a more formal group that the community um, lifestyle director has has formed. Um, there's all those social opportunities that are much more robust that you would find in independent living. I know when we sit down and when I sit down and I talk to my clients and we do look at the financial resources and we kind of look at worst case scenario, best mm-hmm. case scenario. Of course, in a married couple, worst case scenarios, both of them get sick and need some extensive care. Um, and the possibility of money's running out, um, not having adequate funding. And then sometimes we look at their house and say, maybe when you sell your house, you want to go into a community, a retirement community, and use the sale of that house as the proceeds to put down on this community that Mm -hmm. you want. And I think the real key is sitting down with someone and really looking at all your options so that, um, because people talk about things as being so expensive, you might not be able to afford it. That isn't always the case. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for my dad, he got sick and got pancreatic cancer in in six months. He passed away. There was no financial burden on my mom whatsoever other than her losing one of the Social Securities and then, of course, the emotional piece. Mm -hmm. And then yet now my mother has had more health care needs um, but she'll be 90 and um, and it's it's really just amazing she's just sharp as a tack but again has some health care needs and she needs more care yeah a lot of times people think well I can't afford this mm-hmm. and if you step back and so well what um, there's there isn't those intangible costs that you have when you when you're living at home and you're in your by yourself in your home so you the risk of staying in your big rambling house, is isolation, um, the care and upkeep of that home, 
the, the maintenance cost of maintaining your home. And I think people forget and they lose sense of, I'm still paying taxes. I have to pay for now snow removal. Um, my roof needs to be repaired. All those going things. Going up and downstairs. Going up and downstairs, right. My husband and I, we decided to buy a ranch. And we're <laughs> young, but we like, you know, foreseeing the future. I, I know that someday one of us is going to have trouble going even up and down the stairs of a basement stairs. So you just have all those things that I think people forget and they lose that you lose the cost. I don't know how to say this. There is a cost associated with not making a choice. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved, I was listening to your, your, your uh, talk with Jim on the previous money sense. And you said, you can't eat your house. Right. <laughs> and I love that. Cause it's so true. Um, people get so caught up in their home and, and their I, sanctuary. Yes. And the, but there's a lot of freedom that comes with not having that. So people sometimes will say, well, I'm going to lose my independence by moving into a community like this. And I would argue that you don't lose your independence. You're gaining your freedom because now you're free from all those burdens that your home surrounds you with. It's with the care and upkeep, the inability to go out freely to be with your friends. Um, all those isolating factors. I had a really interesting conversation with my husband's grandfather. He was in his 90s, and they were still living at home. And I had come to visit, and he said, you don't understand how lonely it is to be elderly. And I always get choked up when I, t- I talk about that because I just he, he was just confessing to me how lonely it was to be old. And it really doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't have to be. And that's why, you know, the earlier people look at these options and understand what it looks like and what it, whether financially you're looking at risk. And I would argue if you have, if you don't feel like you have a lot of money, but you, you, but you, that is, that is the time when you really need to start looking for your options because um, oftentimes those, those places that are more income restricted where you need, where you can prove need have the lar- largest waiting list. So if you kind of uh, can understand where you want to be, the type of housing that you want and if there is a waiting list, get on the waiting list. Mm-hmm. There's no nothing wrong with being on a waiting list. And then when the person calls, are you ready to say no? But staying on that list so that when the time is right, there is going to be a space for you for that for that change in lifestyle. Do you know it's really hard on kids too? We talk about um, our parents, but watching our parents go to a retirement community, whether it's assisted living or what, can be daunting. And I have a friend who um, the parents, we talk, we're clients, and um, we talked about the financial situation. It would be a good time. Both of their healths were failing, and it was a little bit like, maybe we should sell the house. And so they sold the house and the decision then was to go into a smaller condo or should they go into a retirement community? And I remember talking about really the retirement community would be the perfect option in the event that something happened. And my friend, the daughter said, no, I, I know I can get a place really close and I'll take care of mom and dad. And, Mm -hmm. um, it was all well and good until dad died. And then the problem was that mom was afraid at night because nobody knew that every time she got up to go to the bathroom, her husband would wake up and make sure that she got there and got back. And she knew there was someone that would know if she got hurt Mm -hmm. or if she fell. And all of a sudden now she would get up in the night and she would just sit on the bed and be afraid to go to the bathroom because she was um, scared. And 
we were sitting and talking about the financial piece and her daughter had never heard that. And her daughter felt so bad because her intentions were so good to have her mom and dad there. But sometimes it's thinking beyond the emotion and what will happen if mom dies? What will happen if dad dies? And so just recently mom moved into a community, a retirement community, but it would have been so much nicer if they had both moved in there together Mm -hmm. and made friends and felt good about being there. And now she's had a lot of guilt and things, but both mom and daughter, a lot of guilt about a decision that was made, which is sad. Yeah, a lot of times adult children actually are, um, they hold their parents back Mm -hmm. because of their own grieving of of the loss of their own, their childhood home. I remember reading a wonderful article out of the Wall Street Journal a few years ago about a woman who, her mother was so ready to move into a retired community. She was excited. She really wanted to do this. And the daughter was really feeling, um, I don't want my mom to do that. And she was starting to examine why she didn't want her mother to do that. And she realized she would no longer have that, that home to go to. The address that she's had ever since she was a little girl, the phone number that she had always had ever since a little girl. So it's, it's, it's a loss for the adult children to, to see their parents moving on. So I think it's an emotional toll on the entire family, but I think the result at the end is so much more positive. Um, I think the children will, will see that and see their, their parents blossoming mm-hmm. in this new environment. We just I was just talking to another senior couple that moved into one of our Capri communities, and we were talking about this aspect of, of moving and then having that extra freedom to, to pursue and continue to pursue their interests and their hobbies. And... Um, when I asked him about that, he's, he kind of was taken aback. He's like, you know, I never have looked at it that way. He goes, but you're right. I have time now to do the um, volunteering that I wanted to do. I can still drive. A lot of our people still work. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's, there's so much more opportunity when you're not burdened with what's going on in your, yes. in your home. My guest today is Cindy Robinson, and she is the director, and I guess it's of marketing. Sales and and marketing. Mm -hmm. Sales and marketing (laughs) for the Capri Centers, and there are several Capri. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but there are many Capris, um, retirement communities around here, as well as a lot of different ones, and it's always good to take a look. And one of the things we're going to take the break is you had said, and you laugh about, um, you can't eat your home. The other thing I've discovered is your kids don't want your stuff either. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And uh, I have to say that this is such an important part of what I talk to my clients about, both about themselves and about their parents. If you're struggling and you're not certain about your own financial situation, I love to work with clients. I love to um, talk about these things and give options. And truly, now that I've been going through this with my mom, it just feels like it's so fresh and so raw. Um, and I guess easy to talk about because it's such an important topic. And I recently moved out of my home actually last year. Uh, and I remember talking to my kids about my stuff and Julie said, mom, if it doesn't go in a dishwasher or microwave, I don't want it. (laughs) That took care of all my China, took care of all my silver, my glassware and a lot of different things. But I, we're so attached to our stuff and it was just recently, my mom has moved several times, and now that she's gone into the nursing care, 
my sister sent up pictures of everything that my mom had in her house and asked all the grandkids, and is there anything that you would want? And, you know, none of us, we took a little memento, mm-hmm. but none of us really wanted um, any of the major pieces of furniture, so we donated it. And I think that that's another thing that I see slipping up. Clients, they'll say, we have so much stuff. I've got so much stuff in the basement. And they don't realize that eventually it's got to be sorted through. And I have found that the best thing is to do it because kids really don't know what's valuable and what's memorable. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, um, even now I make decisions with my own mother. What am I going to get her as a gift? And I tell my kids, if you're going to buy something for grandma – you better want it to want it to come back to you someday. <laughs> so be careful. So, um, and I think that is something that holds people back is their stuff. And one of the resources, many providers, not only Capri, but all providers, when you're working with this transition, have a, a whole bunch of networks of people who can help you sort through your things. What is really things that are really meaningful to you versus the things that you're just kind of holding on to. It really has no value. Um, they're just cluttering your home. Um, so there are a lot of options out there. Even if you want to start to downsize now without even foreseeing a move, it's always a good thing to, to ask your children, what are you going to want in the event that either I pass on or am going to downsize? Um, it is a daunting task. So it would just starting out small and just doing those little garage sales or say visit DePaul or wherever. Sorting through the pictures. Yeah, sorting through the pictures. Yeah, all those different things. Um, my mom has this habit now of um, she picks up things to write somebody's name on the back of it. And um, so when you go to through her house, there's a little piece of paper on everything that says <laughs> somebody's name. And um, you're going to get that whether you want it or not. Um, but at least she's started that process. My mom's like your mother. She's been like a traveling grandma and she's um, lived and downsized several different times. So she's finally to a point where she's down to a one and a half bedroom apartment and and. Um, doesn't collect anything more than what she right. can handle. Um, but it is, if that's something that holds people back is your stuff. And um, especially when people are coming in from a, from a big home, three, four bedroom, and they go to look at a, a retirement community and they're looking at their options. A lot of times they'll be, where am I going to put my things? Um, and that's where our planners can come in and work with your family on what are the pieces that can fit in here? What are those things that are most meaningful to you? Um, and you're right. I mean, it's a lot of it is just a, a psychological bind or bound to something. And you really have to discern and take a hard look. Um, I, in fact, I was just going through my basement this, this last weekend, and I had this little stuffed teddy bear that played um, Teddy Bear's Picnic. And this teddy bear looked t- horrible. It smelled bad. But I finally made the decision. I cut out the, the little recorder Box. music, and I threw away the stuffed animal because I, <laughs> I knew that my children had no idea what that meant to me. Um, I can't take it with me, but I love the music to it. So I, I downsized my teddy bear by just keeping the music box. <laughs> so it's just those kind of things, making those kind of logical decisions. Um, and I tell you, it's it's so freeing once you get rid of the things that are holding you back. You can start moving forward. And I, when I had sold my house and I downsized, the minute I took all the pictures off the wall, it didn't feel as much like my house anymore. I didn't realize how connected I was to all these images that mm-hmm. I saw. And so that, I just went through the whole house, took everything off the wall, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is just a house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a house. Let's talk a little bit then about assisted living. When my mom went from independent living, again, she had to downsize again. Mm-hmm. And I understand that my mom has moved from, 
my mom has actually have been into a fourth place because she also, when she had some surgery, she had to go into um, uh, where she got care mm-hmm. and uh, physical therapy, and then now she's moved. She didn't go back to the assisted living. She actually went to the nursing home from there. So she's had to move, but I understand that there's a new philosophy where aging in place, mm-hmm. where in some communities they're thinking about, I believe Jim talked about it, where they're making these communities where you go into one place and they provide the care. You don't have to keep downsizing and downsizing and downsizing, which I think can be very difficult because you see your world getting smaller, like you said with your mom. It's just, it gets smaller and smaller as you give more things away. Now my mother's down to their bed and their dresser and some pictures and things on the wall that are hers, but basically, and her chair. Mm-hmm. She basically has given up everything. Yeah, within assisted living, the state of Wisconsin is unique. We have two different licensure categories under assisted living, and one is residential C- RCAC, residential care uh, communities. And what that allows you to do in many cases is to stay in your apartment and then receive the care that you need as you need those things. Um, So within that two licensure within the state of Wisconsin, I don't want to get too complex, but there are, it opens up a lot more windows for people who are first coming into a retirement community for seeing that maybe they're going to need some structured services like medication management. A lot of a lot of the residents that come into our communities simply just need one or two support things to do, whether that's um, medication reminders, just making sure that they're getting their medication when they need it at the times that they need it to, to be dispensed. Um, sometimes people just need assistance with um, bathing or dressing, those kind of things. Um, as you graduate and getting more and more care, there's um, you can start enveloping those in, in within the assisted living environments, and typically in the retirement community area, we, we, under that RCAC licensure, you can get up to 28 hours of care per week. Which, in the context of things, 28 hours of care is, is quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the other licensure category within the city of Wisconsin is called a CBRF. It's a community-based residential facility, and that's where somebody who can come in and maybe needs more memory care support or has more physical frail needs that they need much more intense, um, more consistent uh, management of their of their care needs. We're going to take a quick break and then talk a little bit about the nursing care. And I know when Jim was on the, on the show, he said the two big questions were, how much can you afford and what level of care do I really need? And there are people in your community that will also help with assessments Mm -hmm. because sometimes people just don't really know what they need and sometimes they're surprised to find out they need more care and sometimes that maybe they just needed to put themselves in a safer space and get rid of some of the throw rugs and you know and the steps and put themselves in a in a safer community and I still say regardless of your age live where you want to play and with that we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker. My guest today is Cindy Robinson. She's the Director of Sales and Marketing for Capri Senior Communities. And they have communities in Germantown, the Gables, um, Village Point, Grafton, St. Catharines in Kenosha, Killarney Court and Sturtevant, Highland Campus in Sun Prairie, the Hedwig House in Milwaukee, Three Oaks in Milwaukee, Wilson Commons in Milwaukee. There's also Summit Woods in Waukesha, which I've been able to speak at, which has been really a lot of fun. Carnegie Place in West Dallas, the landmark in West Dallas, and Mulberry. 
Cherry and Whitewater, and you have three new ones. Well, we have Heritage Place, which we um, acquired last year. That's in uh, Brookfield. And then we have two communities going under, going soon under construction, one in St. Rita, which will be downtown Milwaukee, of Cass and Pleasant, and then Grace Commons, which is part of uh, the Grace Evangelical Church grounds in Menominee Falls. That's where Jim keeps telling me I should get my foot in the door, the yeah. one downtown Milwaukee, because <laughs> yes. I live downtown. But, you know, the thing of it is, I say, you want to live where you want to play. That also comes into it, your churches and mm-hmm. your communities, where your friends are, your book clubs, your the things you do. And when you have such a vast array of places, it really does allow you some choices. And there are other communities that people can look out, look at, too. And with 10,000 baby boomers a day turning 70 to half, I think the world's going to continue to change. And the last change that my mom had was the nursing home. Mm-hmm. And it's been a tough one. And And the thing that I noticed was when she was in the independent living, she had a key and the door was already locked. When she was in assisted living, the door was shut, but people could walk in. And now in the nursing home, there's no door. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So nursing care is for those people that are really very frail and have need 24-hour nursing. So they need that constant oversight for for their care needs or provide them support services that they wouldn't get necessarily. Um, in an environment where they have more privacy. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of the times we had talked about earlier, when people think about retirement, their minds automatically slip to skilled nursing. Yes. And that's so not true. That's really the last com- part of the continuum yes. of, their, of your care journey. Um, so there's a whole life to live before that even happens. Um, and it's really depending on your health. On your health and care needs. Um, many I know, people so don't. My even- mom, she is on dialysis, and that weakens her, and so it's dangerous for her to be trying mm-hmm. to be walk. She can get up, she can walk with the walker, but it's yet she can't be left alone because just the weakness. Right, and there's so many times people we had talked earlier during the break that oftentimes people will come into our communities and they actually get healthier. Or they're, they're reassessed. So we have a nursing assessment that comes in and they talk with the family. They assess the current situation where somebody lives. The person moves and transitions into one of our communities and actually gets healthier and stronger. And so, um, or it could be reversed. Somebody who functions very well in their home, they get to a community like ours moving into independent and maybe dementia manifests itself because in the home, um, is very familiar, and you learn to navigate your world. Mm-hmm. But when you transition somebody from their home into a community where it's all brand new, sometimes the, the memory loss that was hidden now manifests itself. Um, so there's different signals and things that our nursing staff are looking for when they're doing an assessment on somebody. And then we work closely with the families determining when the time is to add care, remove care, those types of things. So it's a really good way to come into a community and um, and get those touch points with that nursing staff and the care staff that's around you, understanding where your care needs are. When I go see my mom and my grand, my kids and my grandkids, we all go there. I get to spend time with her. I'm not taking care of her. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that became really clear is I would always pick her up. And I was the daughter that went and did the lunch and did the nails and did the hair and kind of a lot of those different things. And um, it got to the point where I was afraid to put my mom in the car because I knew that if she fell or if something mm-hmm. happened, that something would break. And I think of people at home and I think of trying to care that it can really put you in a very uh, precarious and dangerous situation because as we age, our bones just get more brittle. 
And um, so I always was afraid that something like that would happen. Yeah, that happened to my, my husband's grandmother. She got hit with a swinging door and broke a hip. I mean, it's just those little things that can happen. And so many times people wait. One thing we're finding in our industry is people are waiting a lot longer to make some of these decisions. Mm -hmm. And when they do come in at that really frail level, uh, they've lost the opportunity to really have had a much healthier lifestyle all along where there would have been nutritious meals provided, where there would be um, areas. Well, now, we can't guarantee no one's going to fall in one of our communities. Mm -hmm. I can't say that. But they're, they're, the apartments and the hallways and the lighting are all designed to help prevent those types of things happening. Mm -hmm. um, so environments that, that are geared towards seniors are um, things you couldn't even adapt to at your own home with, or it would be very expensive to adapt your home to care for yourself as, as you need grab bars, the slopes, um, the lighting, all those different things can be, can be tolling. Well, and there got to be a point where my mother could cook for herself, but she couldn't use her walker and carry the food to the table. She had to stand at the counter and eat Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she couldn't uh, multitask as well. And then we noticed that the hardest time for my mom was night. She was afraid too, just like my friend's mother, um, being alone and, if something happens, what's going to happen? So I think those are really important questions to ask, and they're hard questions mm-hmm. to ask. Um, but my mother made the decision um, and was accepting of the decision of going into the nursing facility because she didn't want to be alone. She right. knew that she didn't want to be behind a closed door where nobody could just check in on her easily. Right. That's where, I, where we were talking about earlier, having the conversations and understanding where you are and where you want to be. And just educating yourself. Uh, you may decide to stay in your own home, and there's nothing wrong with that. But at least understanding what your options are and that these are not your clouded vision of what skilled nursing is. These are really vibrant, They're very social places to be. They are. Yeah. They're very nice. And my mother has said so many times that she wished she'd gone right there because it is. Oh, she knows everybody. Mm-hmm. My mom's very social, and she has such a, a group of friends, and they all visit her. They come from the different communities because it's all connected. And I think that that's such an important piece is to go and visit, talk about it financially, what you can afford, so that you know, because everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. And then to um, sit down and put numbers to paper, and then to find out, what type of place would you want to be in? And my preference is always to recommend to my clients skilled care where they can have a continuum of care when things and if things should happen, that right there they're in the same facility, mm-hmm. which is really the most wonderful. So I guess what I would want to just ask you in terms of what, if we've got about two minutes left, how, what would you encourage my listeners to actually focus on? Because focusing on the biggest picture of all is moving and all that is maybe too big. Where do they start? I think a lot of it is just there's so many communities. Wherever you live, there's most likely a community nearby you. Start there. Just a lot of the, most of our communities want to educate our consumers what we are, who we are, what we do. Go to some of the events that they may be hosting. Go to an open house. Uh, start to talk to some of your friends. The best thing to do is talk to other people who have gone through this before, understand their journey, um, talk to them. Um, so it's really, to me, step one would be just understanding your options and then and then starting making that plan. Okay, if we know 
we, we need to put up the house for sale. Start just in slow little bites um, and getting yourself prepared for the type of move. But number one is just exploring your options and understanding that um, you're not going to go from home and jump to a skilled nursing facility. You're going to go from your home and, and move to the care level that that meets your needs. Um, and I think the other thing, too, that I've noticed with my clients is they come in every six months to sit down, and the next six months they come and say, well, we've been thinking about that, and I did notice that this. It's when you start to bring the conversation up, and all of a sudden you start, maybe I'm too tired, and I don't like going outside and shoveling the snow, or whatever mm-hmm. the situation is, or my husband's now carrying the wash up and down the stairs. Can he really do it? He thinks he's stronger. So, I mean, sometimes I think it's just opening up the dialogue, um, talking to each other, adult children talking to their parents. And he's giving me the the thing that we have to go. So, Cindy, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. My guest is Cindy Robinson. She is the Director of Sales and Marketing for Capri Community. If you would like to talk to her, you can go call at 262 289-2738. We have a number, of course, at the office. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. And you and I both learned that, (laughs) that you have to listen. You do. You have to listen. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.